Welcome to Ebenezer's Podcast, a podcast about hearing, understanding, and applying the Word of God to our lives. My name is Leighton Erickson, and I'm Ebenezer's Lead Pastor. Thanks for joining us today. Please check out our website at ebenezerbaptist.ca to connect with us and learn more about our ministries. I hope you enjoy the message. Well, good morning, Ebenezer family and friends. Today is a momentous day in the life of our church family. This is the final sermon in our two-year journey through the book of Romans. Congratulations, you've made it. Hopefully that's not your only response, although even some of us on staff agree that two years is a long time. Now, for those that are new to us, we've been studying the book of Romans on and off for the last two years, and it's been good. Romans is a remarkable book that is arguably the most influential book in Christian history. And in it, Paul carefully unwraps the gospel and then tells us how we can live it in its fullness in our lives. Now, hopefully over this series, you've gained a new appreciation for the gospel of Jesus and have become even more confident that this gospel really is the good news, better than any other news or anything else the world has to offer. So the question then is, how does one end a series that we've been in for two years? Well, how did Paul end his longest and most theological uh, packed letter and most comprehensive description of the gospel? He did so with a doxology. Now, most of you probably recognize the song that started playing in the background. It's called the doxology. And it's a song that my extended family used to sing as grace before a meal. And our song, our church family is sung often at the conclusion of a significant meeting or event. Doxologies are common in the scriptures. We see them in both the Old Testament and New Testament. For example, I recently spoke on Psalm 72 in our daily uh, devotionals, and it concludes with a beautiful doxology. It says this, Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The New Testament letters are also filled with doxologies. One I remember hearing my pastor say when I was growing up was found in the book of Jude. In Jude, verses 24 and 25, it says this, To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. That's beautiful. I love that. So what is a doxology? And what is its purpose? Well, a doxology is a statement or declaration of praise. And Paul used them often in his letters and usually after he made an important theological statement. As one author stated, right theology should always lead us into high doxology. In other words, a right thinking about God ought to lead us to a right worship of God. Whenever we come to a realization of the greatness of God and his ways, which always go beyond our understanding, our proper response is to bow down and to worship him. So with that in mind, it should be no surprise at all that after this great theological rich letter, uh, which reveals the fullness of God in his gospel, that Paul concludes his letter with a beautiful doxology, declaring the greatness of God 
and praising Him for what He has done through His Son, Jesus Christ. And this is a fitting grand finale for God the Father and God the Son and the gospel message. And it's this God and His gospel that we want to celebrate today. So Paul writes in Romans chapter 16, the last two verses, 25 to 27. Now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been, been disclosed, and through the prophetic writings has been made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God, be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, in the original language of the Bible, these three verses that I just read form one sentence. However, this morning, we're going to break it down into a few parts. I love how Paul begins his doxology. To him who is able. To the one who has the power to do what he says he will do. To the one who will accomplish all that Paul has just talked about in the book of Romans as he unwrapped the gospel for us. To rescue and redeem the lost. To restore the broken. And as we're going to look at in a second, to strengthen and establish the saved. Now it's worth noting that the Greek word Paul uses here is, is, is dunamino, which is very close to the word he used at the very beginning of the letter that, when he described the gospel. Now, I'm sure most of you remember that sermon two years ago, but just in case you don't, let me remind you, remind you of what that verse says. It says in verse 16 of chapter 1, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God, the dunamis of God, that brings salvation to everyone who believes. To him who is able, who has power, and Paul continues, now to him who is able to strengthen you according to my gospel. And this brings us to our first point this morning, that we celebrate the gospel because it strengthens or establishes believers in their faith. The Greek word to establish means to make firm, to stabilize, uh, to make constant, to, to make fast. In this context, to establish refers to being mentally settled, to being firmly rooted in the truth of the gospel. Now, in contrast, those who don't have any faith in God have no certainty about God or His Word or the way of salvation. And those with an immature faith who doubt the promises of God when troubles come their way. Now, I love this idea because often we have a narrow view of the gospel, that its only role is to save people. But Paul reminds us that the gospel is holistic. It not only saves those who have yet to believe, it strengthens all of those of us who have put our faith and hope in God, that God is able to establish you and I in our faith so that nothing can move us. And it's through the gospel that God is able to establish the minds and the hearts of believers in the truth, to settle us and to ground us and to make us firm in Him. Now, if you're on social media at all, you may be aware that there have been a number of high-profile Christian artists and worship leaders who have recently walked away from God, declaring that they have lost faith. Now, that doesn't need to happen because God can establish us. God could ground us in our faith. Now, let me give you an example of how he does this in our lives. Just this last week, a family in our church received some scary news. And in talking with the, with the parents, one of them said, God has been so good 
to, uh, to me and revealing himself to, to me that I'm, I think I'm ready to, for, this, for this journey. And so I just want you to tune in to hear Lisa's story right now. So with me right now is Lisa Berkland. And uh, Lisa, thank you for taking the time to, to meet with me. I really appreciate that. I'll just share a bit of the story around, around this conversation. So it was on, I think, Saturday night that Clayton and Lisa, who are part of our church family, they gave me a call because um, they received some, some, some pretty scary news for their family. And uh, so as we were talking, um, I, I just asked Lisa how she was doing, and her response uh, really struck me. And then as I began to prepare for this weekend's message, I realized that, that her response fit into to this first point that we're making, that, that uh, the gospel uh, strengthens us and establishes us. So, uh, Lisa, I, I, you probably don't want to share all the you know, all the details, but um, I, I will just tell our church family that, that there was some news that you guys received and you're actually, um, you know, going to uh, get some more clarification on that this afternoon. So this is all kind of raw and fresh for you. But I remember on Saturday night when I was talking to you, I asked you on the phone, how are you doing? And I loved your response. So can you share with, with our church family what you said to me? Well, I know that... Um, this is unbelievably hard and I can't even imagine like what's to come, but I do know, I do know that God is here and I know that he has gone before me and he has prepared my heart to see him working in this situation. And for that, I'm very grateful for how he's working and speaking to me and giving us peace through this yeah. time. And so I, I asked you, you said that to me on Saturday night, and I said, how so? Like, what, what has God done to prepare you? Well, it's a really uh, big question because I, I feel like God has taken 20 years to make this moment happen. I was in Bible school, and God showed me a vision, gave me a vision of him, holding me. Oh, so God showed me a vision of me as a lamb standing behind a rock and a snake came out and tried to attack me. And I remember being so afraid and that Jesus, I turned and I saw Jesus running to me and he came and he grabbed me and he held me in his arms. And I just remember the fear that I had, like being in his arms, I was so afraid and then the vision stopped and i've had this for 20 years pondering what does this mean like why like i know that the obvious answer is that jesus holds us as a lamb but i didn't know what i was what he was really trying to tell me mm -hmm. and so <clears throat> starting in april i was visiting with a good friend and she was just asking me questions and trying to help me to to see little bits and pieces of god <clears throat> And I was just so fearful of who God was in my mind that he allowed these bad things to happen. And, um, and here I am now he's holding me. And so I think I, looking back at that, I was so fearful, not even of the situation, but also that there was this God who was supposed to love me. And yet something bad happened. 
and he wasn't there to help me. And so in my mind, that's how I felt. But looking back, like I know that he, now I know that he is good. And so I think he began to change in my mind about who he was. And um, as my friend was sharing, she would be speaking like the Holy Spirit would just give her things to tell me and to change my perspective of God. Um, and he began to set me free. Like I was so fearful of him. And so he began to tell me the truth about him. And one thing that I didn't believe was that, that he loved me. Like I, I knew yeah. it. You, you grow up hearing the Bible verse that Jesus loves me, this I know. But until like he really breaks the change of darkness, can't even see it. And so that's where I was. My Christian life growing up in the church, knowing that God loved me in my mind, but in my heart, not believing it. And I was reading in a Bible verse and it talked about how God reaches down and saves us from the pit. And I looked at him and I said, but, but you're the one who looks at me and says, you got yourself into this and you have to get yourself out. And that's who I thought he was, but he's not. And so he, he, sh he shook my world. He reached down, he pulled me out of the pit and changed my whole perspective of him as being a God who loves us in spite of what we have done. He was merciful to me and he drew me from the pit. And then not only did he draw me from the pit, but he set me on the ground and then he crowned me with love and compassion. And so I'm beginning to see that not only do I not deserve it, but then he loves me and he shows me that love and he builds me up and, and he provides my deepest needs and my deepest desires are not anything physical I've learned. There's nothing that I could desire more than to be loved by God. Hmm. It's my deepest desires to know him. And he began to show me and he's teaching me to abide in him. And so when I see that vision that he's holding me, he's also teaching me to abide. And I've, I've been in his arms. I just didn't know it. And now I can abide there knowing that he's holding me in love. And so all the things that he's shown me is to show me that he is there. He is powerful. He is not going to let me go. Like that verse that talks about the lamb, like God holds the lamb in his arms and no one can snatch them out. Like I believe it. I believe that nothing, no situation, not the devil, no one can take me from his grasp because he is holding me. And so no matter what comes, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he will never leave me. And so God has prepared me for this time, for the last 20 years, thinking about that vision and preparing me to show me that he loves me and that he will protect. And now as I'm walking through this crazy time, that I believe with all of my heart that he is holding me, yeah. that he is giving us peace, and that no matter what, 
like the deepest desires of our heart is to know him to be known by him and to know him and he's showing that <clears throat> yeah and that's what i appreciated about what you shared because in a really scary time for for you as parents uh where you could you know be shaken by you know the news that might be you know that is coming or might might come um that you you had you had a calm assurance that God is with you, and that's what that's what kind of caught my attention. And I just thought, this is a beautiful story, in that in that God loves you enough that He says, I, "I'm going to strengthen you, and I'm going to yeah. encourage you, and I'm, I'm going to establish you in your face so that nothing moves you." So, Lisa, I, I know that this is really raw, and I really value you sharing your story. Originally, we, I just said, "Can I share it?" and then. And then, and then we were talking and I thought it would be really good to come from you guys, but I know you're heading off to, to a doctor's appointment here right away. And so thank you for, for doing this. And can I just, I just want to pray for you guys before, before we go here. So father, you know, all things and you know, all that's happening in Clayton and Lisa's uh, life right now. And so may you, the God of power, may you, the God of love, May you, who brings the good news of a new kingdom in your son, Jesus, strengthen them and establish them in their faith today. And no matter what news they receive, may you continue to be strong in their lives and that you would encourage them today. And then, and then Father, we like to be able to come alongside them and other families uh, that experience things and kind of and support them. So, Father, guide us as we love each other as a family of God here at Ebenezer. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, uh, we love you guys. So thank you so much for sharing, and uh, and we look forward to hearing how things how things go. Okay. Thanks. Oh, and there there's there's Clayton yeah. in there. Yeah. Get you. Yes, I there you go. We, yeah, we, I saw you walking in there. So yeah, this is yeah. this is Clayton and his wife Lisa, and uh, we'll probably be sharing some more news on this as we find out more. We'll give you an update uh, once they hear some you know find out what's happening. Okay. So thank you guys very much. I love you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Well, I really appreciated Lisa, Lisa's willingness to share. Her story was real and it was raw, but uh, I really appreciate that. I want to conclude this section just by reading a couple of scriptures. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. You see, the devil wants to destabilize us and make us feel uncertain and unsettled in our faith so that we doubt the goodness of the Lord and waver. But God wants us to know that he is able to establish our salvation forever. 1 Peter 5.10 But may the God of all grace who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, and strengthen and settle you. 2 Corinthians 9, 8, And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. Hebrews 2, 18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Then Ephesians 3, 20, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power of God that works within us. I am so grateful that we have a God who is able.
Well, Paul continues in this doxology of Romans by saying, in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ. So not only do we celebrate the gospel because it strengthens and establishes Christ followers in the faith, we celebrate the gospel because it proclaims and it preaches Jesus Christ. It has been said that actually all of scripture points to Jesus Christ. See, before the written word of God, there was the living word of God. In John 1, we, uh, we read John saying, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. The message of the gospel, as Paul has guided us through here in his, uh, in his letter to the Romans, was proclaimed, was lived, and was fulfilled in the, per- in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to tell of the wrath of God that was to come because of humankind's sinfulness, their willing turning away from God and his commands. Jesus came to call people to repentance, to turn from their sinful and their evil ways. Jesus came to extend the incomprehensible love of God to the world, to each and every one of us, and to invite us into a relationship with God through him. Jesus came so that that relationship could be made possible through the sacrifice of his very own life on the cross. As Jesus, innocent, took upon himself the pain and punishment we so rightly deserved. And Jesus calls us to follow him, to deny ourselves and to live under the rule of a new kingdom, no matter the cost, each and every day. As Paul says in the book of Galatians, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The gospel preaches and proclaims Jesus Christ because he is the very center and the very source of the good news. A gospel that proclaims or or centers itself on anything other than Jesus Christ is, is no gospel at all. Brendan Manning the author of the Ragamuffin Gospel said this. He said, how is it then that we've come to imagine that, the, that Christianity consists primarily in what we do for God? How has this come to be the good news of Jesus? Is the kingdom that he proclaimed to be nothing more than a community of men and women who go to church on Sunday, uh, who take an annual spiritual retreat, who read their Bibles every now and then, who vigorously oppose abortion, who don't watch X-rated movies and never use vulgar language, smile a lot, hold doors open for people, root for their favorite team, and, and get along with everybody? Is that why Jesus went through the bleak and bloody horror of Calvary? Is that why he emerged in shattering glory from the tomb? Is that why he poured out his Holy Spirit on the church to make nicer 
men and women with better morals? That was a question that was asked, and of course we would answer that saying, of, of course not. Theologian Alex Early said, human beings are, are dead in sin and in need of more than just moral improvement. We need to be overcome by the love of God and transformed by his resurrecting power. The issue of false or other gospels wasn't just a first century church problem. It exists today. In fact, I would say it's alive and well today. Now, some of these other gospels are easy to identify as they have differing views on key beliefs such as the person, the character, and the nature of God, or the person of Jesus Christ, or the deity of Christ. Uh, they have different views on salvation and so on. But other gospels are subtler, making them far more dangerous. And might I also be so bold as to say some of these other gospels have crept into the Christian evangelical church. These other gospels have taken us away from the central message of the true gospel. You see, Paul's message was focused, it was clear, and it was centered on Jesus Christ. Speaking of his ministry in 1 Corinthians, Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's why Paul here in Romans 16 actually says, my gospel, because Paul's gospel, the story of Jesus, is the only true gospel. So let me just simply ask you, what is your gospel? What is at the center of your gospel? Because if it isn't the person and work of Jesus Christ, then you have to ask yourself, is it the true gospel? Back during the time of the Reformation, a time actually we're living in now, a set of statements now known as the five solas was developed to bring the Christian church kind of back into alignment, kind of back centered with the true gospel. Now, this set of statements emphasized the distinctions between those early reformers and the Roman Catholic Church. Now, we don't have time to get into the details of the five solas this morning, but I'll just mention them, I'll just state them, because I believe it's a good starting point for us to examine our gospel. The first sola is this, sola scriptura, scripture alone. Solus Christus, Christ alone. Sola gratia, grace alone. Sola fide, faith alone. And soli deo gloria, to the glory of God alone. We celebrate the gospel because it proclaims and it preaches Jesus Christ. Well, Paul continues saying, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. So, not only do we celebrate the gospel because it establishes and strengthens Christ's followers, not only do we celebrate the gospel because it preaches and proclaims Jesus Christ, we celebrate the gospel 
because it reveals, it reveals the most wonderful mystery of all time, that the good news was, is, and always will be for all people and all nations. The reason for this celebration of the gospel might not mean as much for us today. Most of us, if not all of us, are considered, at least by the Bible, Gentiles. And that simply means that we're not Jewish. However, remember that in the time of Christ and in the time of the early church, this was a major issue. As we've mentioned several times in our series through Romans, there was a, a, a huge divide, a, a gap between the Jews and the Gentiles, or actually more literally, the Jews and, and, and everybody else. Now, the mystery that Paul refers to here isn't something that is spooky or, or scary. It's not something that's incomprehensible or, or something we can't figure out or, or explain. It's not like the phenomenon of, let's say, I don't know, um, crop circles or reports of UFOs. It's not like trying to figure out sightings of Sasquatch or the abominable snowman or, or the Loch Ness uh, monster. It, it's not referring to anything like that. Mystery here means something, uh, something that was once hidden, but that now has been revealed. And notice that it wasn't discovered or solved by mankind or humankind. It was revealed to us by God. In his letter to the Ephesians, Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 3, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is, the mystery made known to me by revelation, as I have already written briefly. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit, um, by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and sharers together in the promise in Christ Jesus. The mystery of the gospel now revealed to us by God through Jesus Christ is that the good news was and always has been for all nations, not just for one nation. And that all nations would become through the gospel, through Jesus Christ, one nation, one people under God that they would become the people of God. Now, God's desire has always been that the nations would believe him, would come to him, would worship him, and would obey him. The person and work of Jesus Christ opened the door so that all who would repent and believe could and will come to him. The Old Testament law, the Old Testament prophets, pointed to that. The nation of Israel was supposed to be a testimony to that. But Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of that. You know, in this time of 
incredible racial and ethnic and cultural conflict, we need the gospel more than ever because, because it is only through the gospel that we can unite together as one people. Diverse to be sure, but unified through the transforming work of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit as it works in our hearts and in our lives. And it is this love and this unity, this peace, this willingness, and this ability to work through our disagreements, to work through our conflicts, this is what will show the world what an incredible kingdom, this kingdom of God is, and how God longs for each and every person to become a part of it. We celebrate the gospel because it reveals a wonderful mystery that the good news is for all people and for all nations. Finally, we celebrate the gospel because it displays the glory of God. Verse 27 says, To the only wise God be glory forevermore through Jesus Christ. Amen. The gospel is a celebration of the completeness of who God is, that he's the only wise God, that he's the only God, and it displays the fullness of God's glory in Jesus Christ. You know, when it comes to wisdom, only God has eternal wisdom. Only he can, he has a full grasp of reality. So to accept any other form of reality or what people say is reality other than what God offers is incomplete and it's limited and it's inadequate and insufficient for us. It's not truth. As one author said, God's wisdom is so wonderfully displayed in the gospel and in all his other works that he alone can be considered wise. Now the phrase to the only wise God is followed immediately by the words through Jesus Christ. In other words, the wisdom of God is displayed totally and completely through Jesus Christ. We see God's glory through, uh, through salvation in Christ. God does the doing, so he gets the glory. It's like when, when your team wins a championship. You rejoice in it even though you didn't do anything to contribute to the win. You just enjoy the benefits of their victory, which I hope my Oilers will do this season if it ever starts again. Well, listen, that's us. We don't do anything to earn our salvation. That's why God gets all the glory and not us. That victory belongs to Christ and Christ alone. But we get to enjoy the benefits of his work and we get to share in the reward of his salvation. So we celebrate the gospel because it strengthens and establishes believers in the faith. We celebrate the gospel because it proclaims Jesus Christ as the source and the center. We celebrate the gospel because it reveals a wonderful mystery that the gospel is for all nations. And we celebrate the gospel because it displays the glory of God. Let me conclude by reading this one more time this time in the Holman uh, Standard Version, and it begins, Glory to God. Glory to God. Now to him who has power to strengthen you according to my gospel and the proclamation about Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept silent for long ages, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic scriptures, 
according to the command of the eternal God to advance the obedience of the faith among all nations. To the only wise God, to Jesus Christ, to him be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Let me pray. So, Father, thank you so much for this uh, journey through the book of Romans. It was long, but it was good. Thank you for the depth of knowledge of Paul, guided by your Holy Spirit to help us understand the fullness of the gospel. And God, we stand here today, and we stand in confidence with you because you have reached down to us, and you have made us right with you, that you have justified us, and you've restored us into a relationship with you, and so we thank you for that. And now help us to, to live out this gospel in our life in every way in the ways that we interact with our neighbors, in the ways that we interact with this church community, in the ways that we act with the country around us. And so, Father, help us to be the people who are known as the people of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So guide us today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening. Don't forget to check out our church website at ebenezerbaptist.ca. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can let us know by clicking like and by subscribing to our podcast channel. God bless you and thanks for listening.